Hello, and welcome to The Right Side of History, a show dedicated to exploring current events through a historical lens and busting left-wing myths about figures and events of America's past. My name is Jared Stepman, a contributor to The Daily Signal, and I'm joined by my co-host, Fred Lucas, who's The Daily Signal's White House correspondent. This week, we're going to be talking about a topic that has become very controversial in, in recent months. This topic is the Electoral College, something that has been a big part of the American uh, election process through our history, through two centuries. And Fred, I, th- I think I'd like you to, to set up for us uh, one election where the winner of the presidential race was actually somebody who didn't win the popular vote, and it caused a lot of controversy. Can you set this up for us, Fred? Yes, uh, it was right after a very contentious election was settled. Democrats were not willing to accept the result. They gathered in the streets, uh, marching, insisting they would not recognize a new constitutionally elected president of the United States. They called him a fraud. Many Democrats even threatened violence. I'm, of course, talking about the aftermath of the 1876 election. (laughs) Uh, This was one of only five times uh, the winner of the Electoral College did not win the popular vote. Uh, The latest, of course, being in 2016, when some Democrats had a very similar reaction to what they had in 1876. Now, absolutely. And this this year, I think, is one where we've seen a huge wave of anger against the Electoral College, in part a response to uh, Hillary Clinton's defeat to Donald Trump, where she won more of the national popular vote, but lost in the Electoral College. And of course, a lot of people around the country didn't really know a whole lot about the Electoral College, why we have this seemingly arcane process. At least that's how uh, a lot of Democrats and a lot of progressives have portrayed this. I mean, I think there have been um, a lot of members of the Democrat Party who have attacked it and said it needs to be done away with, who said it's no good. Um, you know, even though it's a system that was set up by the founding fathers who defended it, Hamilton very famously defended it in Federalist 68. They say this thing is uh, something that needs to go. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders has come out against it. Eric Holder. Uh, even recently, uh, Hillary Clinton has said that, well, the Electoral College is something we need to look at. And, and President Obama called it a vestige of the past. So I, I think the question is, is the Electoral College a vestige? Is this, uh, are the forces that are working against it? On the right side of history, uh, is this something that we need to do away with in, in 2017, that we need to get rid of this system that's been a part of the United States for over two centuries? I think that's that's now a very big question. And uh, it's it's I have to say, there have been a lot of absurd arguments against the Electoral College, but one in particular, a big one, is one that was put forth in Politico recently, saying that the Electoral College is actually a danger to national security, that this 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 system whereby uh, electors uh, select the president, uh, where we don't have essentially a national popular vote, is actually a danger to the country. And, and we're we're going to bring on uh, Hans von Spakovsky, who is a a, a a senior analyst here for the Heritage Foundation, who's written on this topic and written about this very uh, absurd piece that was uh, in, in Politico. Thank you for thank you for joining us, Hans. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. And you, when you said the word absurd, that really describes the idea that the Electoral College threatens natural security. I mean, that it's it's a silly argument. It is a silly argument. I think one thing I, I a lot of people don't really understand what the Electoral College is about. I mean, they hear about this thing and it seems like, well, there's these electors. We don't really 
vote for president. I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. When you cast your ballot, you're actually casting your ballot for an elector, not the president. And the states kind of operate in their separate capacities to choose a president. Now, of course, these political writers say that this is a a major problem. They say that this is a problem of national security because foreign actors uh, can target states and local elections. And they've, they've said, well, Russians may have dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars in Facebook ads to micro target elections in the states. But of course, the state bait process was really something the founders included in our electoral system. They, they included a system of, of federalism. Right. Uh, can you explain some of that to us, Hans, uh, why that's important? Sure. Um, look, the, the very reasons that the, the founders thought that we need an electoral college system ra- rather than a national popular vote are still relevant today. We're a federal system. You know, We have both a central government and 50 – uh, independent state sovereign governments. And they wanted a president who um, didn't just represent the big cities, that represented uh, and was selected by people across the country, particularly in um, more rural, uh, out of the way places, you know, the, the, the area of the country that elites call flyover country. Right. And they were balancing the interests of the large states versus the small states. So the whole point of the Electoral College is that without it, if, if we only elected a president based on national popular vote, the founders feared that candidates, where would they go to campaign? The big cities. They would not go to any of the rural areas of the country. They would only go to the big cities. That's who would choose who the president is. Um, with with an electoral college system, even the smallest state in the country with the smallest population still gets a minimum of three electoral college votes because it's based on how many senators you've got and how many members of the House of Representatives. So, yeah, it's it's true that with an electoral college system, um, yeah, candidates are still going to spend a lot of time in the big states. Of course. But – uh, they are not going to ignore the smaller states because those electoral college votes could make all the difference. Anybody who doubts that, just look at the last election. Uh, Hillary Clinton, yeah, she got a bit more of the national popular vote, but it was all uh, in the big urban centers on the east and west coast. She only won one-sixth of the counties across the country. Um uh, Donald Trump won the whole rest of the country, all the rural areas, uh, all the more out-of-the-way places. And that means that uh, he actually fulfilled the function the founders saw, which was it wasn't a, supposed to be a national election. It's supposed to be a series of regional elections across the country. That, they thought, would give us somebody who would more be more interested in representing the entire country, not just the elites in the cities. And that's a, that's a very good point you make. I mean, really, the 2016 election shows that the Electoral College works as it was intended. Exactly I mean, you had right. one candidate who didn't show up in some of these states that ended right. up flipping from blue to red. They hadn't voted Republican for a very long time. They had flipped to the Republican candidate after voting for the Democrat because one candidate decided, well, I'm going to try to get votes from this region that is being ignored. Maybe the the forgotten man in Wisconsin who maybe right. was looking for a new message uh, is is looking for a new candidate. And, and I think some of the attacks on the Electoral College 
actually have have shown why the system is so important. I mean, there there is no national election where we have a mass plebiscite that is involved. We have right. a system of federalism. This is what the founders intended for this country that the states would have a large role in our electoral process and decisions that are made for this country. Is it right that our decisions are left to California and New York and Texas in the big states, maybe even at the expense of the smaller ones? Right. And I, I, I think uh, most post-election studies have shown if you take out the overwhelming uh, majority that Hillary Clinton won in California, she would not have won the popular vote. And I think that is one of the reasons why, yeah, it did work the way it's supposed to work. One state's not supposed to overwhelm every other state. Also, on on the issue of federalism, I'm, to oppose the Electoral College is essentially the logical extent of the argument would also be to oppose the existence of the U.S. Senate. Of course, but of right. course, a lot of them would oppose the U.S. Senate <laughs> yes. as well. And, I, yeah, right. In which Rhode Island has the same number of senators as Texas. I mean, that's it, it must thing. be noted that even though especially people on the left are trying to get rid of the Electoral College, the Senate is something they can't change in the Constitution. Right. There will always be two senators, which, of course, a lot of people don't like. They think that, well, we, they should be sent to, you know, we should have more from states that are more populated. But that's something that's that's not going away. And you're, you make a very good point that this is kind of all part of the system of federalism that is inherent in the Constitution, that is inherent in what this this country has been since the beginning, um, that we don't throw things just to the national popular vote as many would like to like to have it. Um, so I, I think that it is really important to note also that the Electoral College, besides just on its face, valuable to the country, that this is a system that has been in place for well over two centuries that has served the United States. I mean, so many other countries don't have a good process of electing their national leaders. And it has led to revolution. It has led to terrible things. The United States, in many ways, is blessed with the system, this legal process whereby we choose our national leaders. And I would say, you know, we've had a lot of great presidents who didn't win the national popular vote. I mean, Abraham Lincoln only won 30 some percent of the vote, yet he became president because of the Electoral College. We had a system of laws that allowed a a transition of power to take place. And, you know, it is interesting now that the left is attacking the Electoral College as this major danger to national security and, and partially saying that, well, foreign powers can get involved and they can manipulate our elections and this is a terrible thing. But frankly, these things have been going on for a very long time. I mean, foreign powers have wanted to shift American politics one way or another. I, I wrote recently in a piece and I, you know, I think Hans has written a little bit about this too, about how early in the American Republic, right. there were some forces that Try to change American elections. You know, can you talk to us about that? Well, sure. I, and I, I got to give you credit because you had picked up on this, <laughs> uh, even though I, I uh, uh, had also read about it in, in my history books. But look, in 19, uh, 1793, uh, President George Washington demanded that the French government recall the French ambassador to the United States. Why? <laughs> because um, he was recruiting um, American politicians. Uh, he was recruiting uh, members of the public to uh, join militias. Uh, he was recruiting American ships, captains, and their crews as privateers. Why? To help France 
in their war against Spain and England. And he was trying to convince um, members of Congress, for example, uh, to stop the neutrality position of the United States. So he was really trying to interfere in uh, the political situation of the country. And it, like I said, it, 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 it got so bad and George Washington got so angry about it that he demanded the guy be recalled. <laughs> and that, of course, isn't the only time uh, foreign powers have been asked to come into our races and, and change things. I think, you know, kind of famously, well, infamously in 1984, of course, you had that letter from Senator Ted Kennedy to right. Yuri Andropov, right. the Russian leader trying to help throw an election against Ronald Reagan. I mean, this is definitely not a new thing in American history. And it is interesting that these authors of this political piece say that it's a great danger to national security. Russians have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads you know, when one candidate was spending over $200 million on a campaign, it had all, every ability to do micro-targeting, to change votes, to go to states that were out of the way, that this is a reason to change a system that has been going on for over two centuries in this argument that, well, maybe the, some foreign power can, can hack our elections and change our votes, which I, th- I think is quite funny given the fact that some of these same people say that well, you know, voter fraud really doesn't exist. You know, these kind of hacking, these stories are just a total figment of people's imagination. Uh, they say also we shouldn't be supporting things like, you know, a voter fraud commission or going after voter fraud in this country, right. which I think is is quite funny. And, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, uh, Hans, who, you know, you're kind of an expert in these issues. But it is kind of funny that, you know, these same groups that are so worried about foreign powers changing our elections don't really care when it comes to actual voting, actually tracking people who are going to the voting booth and voting for president. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because the political article, the authors make this claim that the Russians very effectively manipulated the 2016 election. They did? <laughs> but what, there isn't any evidence of that whatsoever. In fact, uh, I would remind folks that a week after the November election, Jay Johnson, who at the time was still Obama's secretary of Department of Homeland Security, in an interview said, there is no evidence whatsoever that the Russians or anyone else uh, hacked into and were able to uh, manipulate uh ballots cast by individuals, uh, the ballots being counted. In, in other words, he said, you know, there was no manipulation of the of the vote. I, I find it amusing that they now are saying that because some ads were uh, bought on Facebook that uh, all these zombies in America obviously did exactly what those ads said. <laughs> Anybody who knows anything about campaign finance law and political advertising knows that uh, that's not the way things work. Uh, the other thing that I would point out about this is that uh, these authors say that, well, if we go to a national popular vote, it's going to be much tougher to hack into a system or manipulate. Well, because you've then got you know the population all across the country. But actually, um, if you go to a national popular vote system uh, rather than the current one, which we have, which might require you to hack into many different states to try to change the electoral vote outcome, uh, under their system, all you need to do is find one big city, hack into their system, and get in and and put in enough uh, fraudulent votes to tip the election. That's a very good point. I I, I find it interesting that, you know, after all this, there's been now months of attacks on the Electoral College, people saying, well, right. it's no good. It's a thing of the past. It's something that's got to be gotten rid of. It's something that that's, that's 
we need to get rid of now in 2017 is something that's no good. Well, uh, it's interesting that for a few years now we've heard about the national popular vote uh, initiative, which would be right. where states right, join right, this right. compact. Um, the irony to that, I think, is that we have some states that would be willing to go against the wishes of their voters, of the popular voters in their state, in order to go with the national popular vote when they're initial yeah. argument is they want the popular vote to succeed yeah and, and i we need but, to point I mean, out maybe that goes back to federalism if that that's the way the state wants to award electors and right so be it i suppose uh yeah but i think we should mention this a little bit more there is this outfit out there called national popular vote plan inc and they for years have been working to convince states to pass a law that says that um you will award your electoral college votes not not to the candidate that got the majority vote in your state, but to the candidate who won it nationally. And I just I just can't imagine how angry voters would be if right. they discovered that in their particular state, uh, the guy or the woman they voted for doesn't get their electoral college <laughs> votes. And look, this is a clear effort to be able to change electoral college without doing what you actually need to do if you want to change it, which is pass a constitutional amendment. And I think that's that's a big thing to say here is that, you know, even though there are these calls to change our electoral college system, really the only way that it can be changed is through an amendment to the Constitution, the only really serious way to change this. And I find it funny that, you know, after all these attacks on electoral college, a, a recent Gallup poll came out and shows that the electoral college is actually more popular than it's ever been since they started doing polling. So after all these attacks on the electoral college, not that polls mean everything, and obviously not that you know pure majoritarianism means everything. Of course, we're talking about the electoral <laughs> college. But it is funny that after all of this campaign and saying that this is such a dangerous system that needs to be got, done away with, it's actually more popular than it's been in the entire time Gallup's been doing this poll. So clearly, Americans are not buying the message on this. They're not buying that, hey, we need to ditch this because one candidate right. lost. Right. Something else that ought to be pointed out that the Electoral College helps protect us from, and that is uh, it helps protect us from voter fraud. And and the reason for that is that, look, if, if, um, if the president was elected based on national popular vote, then again, if you could uh, get control of and commit fraud in one big city, then potentially you could have, you could affect the outcome of the election. And where is the easiest place to commit fraud? It's in places where one party dominates and controls. Uh, with an electoral college system, no matter how many votes uh, are stuffed into a ballot box, let's say in L.A. or New York, well, the only difference that's going to make is is uh, mean that uh, the city goes even uh, the the state, New York, California are even uh, bluer than they already are. <laughs> but with the national popular vote system, stealing votes in those cities might affect the outcome of the uh, election itself. And yeah. so it actually uh, tampers down on the effectiveness of voter fraud. Absolutely. Well, you know, I I think that shows that the Electoral College probably isn't going to be going away anytime soon, despite these calls. I, I think that I think that about wraps it up for our show. Uh, thank you so much for ha- for being on our show, Hans. Um, if you'd like to listen in to future broadcasts, please check us out on SoundCloud. Also, take a look at the Daily Signal's Facebook page from our, when our next program airs. If you're further interested in our work, check out my Twitter at Jared Stepman, Fred's Twitter handle at Fred Lucas, a WH. 
And you can also check out Hans's Twitter handle, hvonspikovsky. Um, and if you have any questions for our show or questions about history you'd like answered, please email me at jared.stebman at dailysignal.com or fredlucas at fred.lucas at dailysignal.com. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you tune in for our next episode of The Right Side of History.